Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Melissa Parrish. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by senior analyst Christina McAllister to discuss the business and customer experience benefits of asynchronous chat. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So this wouldn't be a podcast without me saying, hey, let's level set on some language here, right? So what is asynchronous messaging? Yeah. So anyone listening is going to be familiar with asynchronous messaging, even though they may never call it that. Uh, You know, we do it every day, whether it's iMessage, SMS, WhatsApp, or even Slack and Teams at work. Uh, Basically, it's text-based messaging experience where the both participants can start and stop and come back to the message without losing their place in the conversation history. So you can send an iMessage to your friend. And if you don't reply in a few minutes or a couple hours or even days, you can pick up where you left off. And when we think about asynchronous messaging in an enterprise context, in a business context, what we're going to be talking about today, this is a bit of a newer phenomenon. So the way that brands used to do it was what we would call synchronous chat, sometimes called live chat or web chat. And the the big difference is the whole idea of a session. So basically with live chat, the expectation is that both people are talking live like a phone call and there's no coming back to the message later when the chat ends, all history of that interaction ends with it. And is this when we're you know sort of defining asynchronous messaging is it with a person always is it sometimes a bot is there any sort of definition inclusion of of those parameters yeah that's a good question so it's it's either um the a brand can deploy asynchronous or synchronous messaging with either a human or or a bot it's the 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 actual kind of like brand side participant doesn't matter the best practice is to have both if you're going to have a bot but um it could be either way So, Christina, why is this change happening now? Is this a consumer-led change or are businesses interested in it? Who's causing this evolution? Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a a bit of a two-sided pull push situation. Um, So consumers in general, um, they're comfortable communicating this way, right? So like speaking personally, I hardly ever speak live on the phone anymore to anybody. I almost forget that my phone is indeed capable of making calls. And that's increasingly becoming the norm for, for many people, right? So with the post-pandemic shift to hybrid work as well, we have also become more, uh, I guess, accustomed to speaking asynchronously with our with our coworkers. So if we're talking in like a chat mode via text in some capacity, from a consumer point of view, that is basically becoming synonymous with communicating asynchronously. I before before we got on this this podcast, I was trying to think of a way that we could speak text wise in a synchronous mode in our like in a consumer app, and I don't even think that we even have one anymore. Um, but the the other kind of pull on this side is the from a vendor perspective. Um, so the platforms that sell you know chat platforms, messaging platforms, a lot of the vendors are actually not really offering synchronous chat at all anymore. And they're framing that more as the legacy communication mode. So if, for example, you were replatforming your contact center, you wanted to move to the cloud, you might choose one of the big uh, CCAS platforms or contact center as a service platforms. And, um, and some of them just don't offer synchronous chat anymore. That's just not a thing that they do. So there's a little bit of brands getting kind of pushed into that mode as kind of the future of digital engagement, if you will. Um, and then there's also just the fact that 
um, at least in our research, Forrester's research shows that if a consumer or a customer needs help, they are just as likely to chat with brands on third-party channels like a WhatsApp or an iMessage as they are to go with the to a brand's own channels. Um, so the the consumer interest is there as far as the kind of adoption of those channels. That's a place that cu- customers are, uh, but it's also on the side of the vendors pushing the agenda to, to get folks onto an async platform, mostly because they don't want to support two platforms. So you had mentioned at the top of this podcast that this is sort of a new thing within the enterprise world. Why, if consumers are so used to this, you know, it, as a means to, to communicate, why, why have brands been slow to adopt to this? Yeah. So (laughs) there's two big reasons. Um, The the first one is really that technology change takes time, right? It takes time at a large company. So if you're a brand that currently is running a live chat program, it would require a change in the underlying technology, so the chat platform itself, to to enable that asynchronous communication. So the the biggest change from like a technology perspective is um, the ability to maintain the conversation beyond the session or the time that a normal live chat session would expire. So the change really is just the way that the platform maintains that history of the communication, which also requires that the experience be tied to some sense of a customer profile. So you knowing who the person is so that they have their session history. But if you already have chat from a live chat perspective, if you already have something going on there, it's going to be an effort to re-platform, to get onto a platform that has asynchronous messaging. And enterprises don't always move the fastest when it comes to, to making big changes like that. And then the other side of that piece is that um, now that vendors are basically like forcing the issue, we might see that uh, accelerate. But again, you still need to wait for the cycles of um, of technology uh, cycles of of replacement and that kind of thing. But the other reason that the adoption has been a bit slow is frankly, just a little bit of fear of operations chaos in the contact center. So we have um, third-party channels like Apple Business Chat, which is basically the business side of the iMessage experience, Um, Instagram, WhatsApp, they all make it a bit harder for a contact center to forecast incoming volumes which makes it harder for a contact center to staff appropriately to manage SLAs. And if I'm talking to clients, the worry that I hear from customer service leaders is that they're basically worried about opening a bunch of portals into the contact center that they're not equipped to support if the demand is greater than they anticipated. Um, But it's also a really different mode of engagement. There's a lot of change management. If you say, for example, you have, I don't know, like 2,000 agents. Um, it's, it's rare to have 2,000 chat agents, but if you have, you know, maybe even 200 agents, um, to make sure that your agents understand the difference in supporting asynchronous channels and they're not bringing synchronous best practices to the party, it, it can be a bit of a job to, to get everybody, you know, switched over to that new model of engagement. So there's a little bit of a fear of the unknown. Um, there's a little bit of, a, you know, basically just like a, not feeling comfortable with the the uh, potential influx of volume, I guess. Um, so when I talk to clients that have had the most success with this this model, um, they're the ones that are taking they're more comfortable taking a bit of a test and learn approach, knowing that they're not going to stick the landing on the first try. They need to learn as they go. They need to learn about their customers' engagement patterns in those new channels, and that's kind of hard for a lot of companies to get on board with in some cases. So I, I definitely, we've been talking about why it's hard 
for brands to do this while you're slower to do this. I want to, I yeah. do want to talk about why they should, what the benefits are, but actually what, what you were just saying, Christina, it brought to mind a, a question. Maybe it's too early in the development of this modality to, um, to really have a, a strong opinion about it, but I'd love to know your thoughts, which is the consumer expectations of what happens with that, um, conversation with that data, right? So if I, mm -hmm. If yeah. I send an email to customer service, um, I expect that if there is some sort of customer profile as me, it goes into that file. And if I ever contact them again, they're like, oh, mm, we already messed with this person once or whatever. We better better be yeah. on our best behavior. Mm -hmm. With synchronous chat, I'm not sure that's the case, right? Because it feels quite impersonal and the session begins and ends. And you're like, I had this one question. Yeah. I just want to know where my order is or I lost my order number or whatever. It happens. It's transactional. It's done. Asynchronous chat's a little bit different. It's a kind of, it's a, it's a mix of those two things. So it's an in-betweener. It sure, so what yeah. are you seeing from the consumer data or the conversations that you're having about what people expect to happen with those conversations after they've had them? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a really interesting situation. There's a number of vendors that are pushing the agenda on asynchronous messaging on web and consumer expectations have not met that <laughs> pattern because we are not used to speaking asynchronously in a little chat, uh, making like an interface, like a square in a little chat window in the bottom right hand corner of your screen. Like we are not, um, we're not used to that being something that stays. Uh, and so when it comes to that experience, we're, we're finding that, um, or the brands that I've talked to that have deployed asynchronous messaging on WEM have found that the behavior of the consumer is much more synchronous. They expect the, the agent to get back to them more quickly, and they expect that they need to be present. Um, mostly probably because of we've all been burned by having, you know, a little live chat window available in one of our many tabs, and we've tabbed away for two seconds, and the agent's like, well, I guess you're not here. Bye. And that's not a fun experience for anyone. Um, and it's so, so super frustrating, which is why you get a lot of um, abandonment issues in live chat. People are just like, well, never mind. I'm just going to call the context. Like, this person's obviously not here to help me. I'd rather just get someone who is pinned down ready to help me right now. Um, so that kind of experience has burned consumers a little bit. And so it's been a little bit harder to get them to, to adopt that mentality. But on the flip side, I think the, the existence of these experiences within the chat interfaces that we are accustomed to. So if you are, um, if you launch a, a messaging experience inside iMessage, for example, and I would find it very bizarre if, if it was, if it required that I be open, have the app open, I'm staring at it and all of these kinds of things. So I think that the normal consumer behavior is uh, more friendly to deploying on mobile apps. Frankly, brands who have deployed synchronous chat in mobile apps haven't had as much success because of that. The the idea that I, if I can't leave, that's ridiculous on my, on a on a mobile device. So the that I feel is is more um, it's is better for adoption. But I do think that there's some expectation setting is one of the best practices that you need to kind of adopt, where you're basically saying like this is open, this will be here. <laughs> and if you leave, it will stay here and you can always come back to this experience. So there's been a little bit of that um, marketing exercise for, for these experiences to make sure that they understand that you can come back 
And it'll always, the, the kind of experience will always be there. And from a consumer perspective, the benefit is that you have all the receipts, right? Like the, you know what the person said above you, you know what you've, like your entire conversation maintains. You, you have this kind of representation of the engagement with, with, the, with the brand, um, which is, it's a lot less uh, fleeting than the, the live chat experience, which uh, tends to just give people anxiety, frankly. It's just, uh, it's, not, it's not a great experience for, for support in a, in a lot of ways. It makes a lot of sense the the need to level set because yeah I mean if you haven't if you haven't experienced this before of course you're like well shoot do am I supposed to just stay here and keep talking to you <laughs> yeah just just locked in and you're not answering me that fast either what the heck's going on um, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the about the benefits so why why should brands mm-hmm. just just do it. <laughs> Yeah, so um, asynchronous messaging gives brands the opportunity to engage with con- customers a little bit differently. Like they stay engaged with customers in in a digital channel. It kind of offers the opportunity to create a bit of a conversational representation, if I can say that, uh, about their relationship with a customer. Um, a lot of vendors in the space will promote the idea of the a conversation being the new kind of unit of engagement rather than say for example like a ticket or something like that which is usually more of an email support but still um one forester client which was a they were a government agency they decided to go with an asynchronous conversation based approach versus a traditional email ticketing approach for their service program because they felt like it was more customer centric to have their internal employees see service engagement as part of an ongoing conversation and not just tickets that they needed to close. Um, They wanted that internal culture to be about maintaining a conversation rather than closing issues in that way, closing the door on the conversation, which I thought to be a really nice cultural framing for this shift, which was different than um, some of the other marketing messages in the in the ecosystem that uh, a few of us over here like to kind of poke a little bit of fun at where it's like, hang, you know, talk with your customers where their friends are like you could be, you know, your mom and then a brand and it's like, okay, yeah, maybe well, not sure. Maybe not. But we're not friends like that. We're not friends like that. It's, it's a little bit different. And that might be true. But that's not the, the selling point that you think it is. It's a little bit of a I mean, that's a marketing selling point. Certainly, you know, you want uh, the, the marketers want to be able to access new inboxes that are not email inboxes necessarily. They get a lot better open rates, but you have to be careful with that trust. So I was I was reading Sharvan uh, Boskirk's recent report that was talking about the intimacy of channels. So it was around uh, her in her case, she's looking at email as a, as a marketing channel, as an engagement channel for for brands. Um, and the research that she did on our consumer voices panel um, had shown that there was a lot of uh, one of the questions was, would you prefer to have um, engagements with a brand through SMS? And it was really surprising. I took a look at a lot of the the answers that folks gave and they were using really strong language. Like it would be invasive. It would be um, intrusive. It's very personal. It's a, it's a personal space. And of course, I mean, we're all tethered to our phones. It's a very personal experience. Um, and I think that when it comes to the, marketing framing some people want to have that kind of engagement they want to see you know promotions or or whatever the case might be um and i do believe that we're starting to see a bit of blurring of the boundaries between what we would see like a marketing customer or pre-sales customer and a service customer or post-sales customer because the customer of course doesn't see themselves that way that's not how they operate in their minds they're just a person and you're just a brand um but as far as the type of engagement and the channels of engagement, those are starting to be shared. It's it's 
it's an interesting model, but it just means that you need to be a lot more coordinated in how you approach these channels and how you're not kind of overstepping the boundaries of what is a very personal channel to someone. But if they're reaching out to you for support in that in a place that is comfortable for them to hear back from you, then that's one thing. But uh, again, it's just kind of, uh, I know we're trying to talk about the benefits here, but I, I'm just cautioning overstepping someone's personal boundaries in this, in this case. Um, but I do like the idea of the... I do believe that when I, when I heard from our client that was talking about that kind of uh, internal reframing around the way that uh, an agent might see a ticket to be closed is kind of like, all right, closing the book on that one. That, that's, I totally love that. That's, that's a really valuable shift, I think, internally to, to get people on board with like, this is, we don't want to close the door on this conversation. We want to have this open door kind of situation, especially if you're in a government situation where it's, these are your constituents, they don't have a choice, but to be your customer in that case. Um, but in the moving back to some of the benefits and why a, a company should deploy asynchronous messaging, one of the interesting benefits that I found through my research is that these asynchronous experiences are really easy or a lot easier to insert in the natural flow of engagement, especially in industries that have a lot of what I'll call hybrid experiences between digital and in-person. So if we think about an airline or a hotel where a big part of your experience is on site somewhere, um, this is also relevant for retailers as well, especially as we see examples of experiences that blend that, again, digital and physical, like if you buy online, pick up and store, that kind of thing. And so asynchronous messaging works really well for those ex scenarios where your customer is likely on the go. They probably only have access to a mobile device and they don't want to be stuck in this live chat experience where they need to be 100% keyed and it's not realistic to have that kind of engagement at an airport or en route to an airport or, or something like that. And I would say finally, if, if done correctly, and that is a big if, asynchronous messaging can be a lot more efficient. So you tend to see higher agent efficiency with asynchronous programs. Uh, vendors will talk a lot about being able to get like way more concurrency. And by concurrency, I mean agents being able to handle more than one chat at a time. Um, but it's less about the concurrency aspect and it's more about agent throughput. So the ability for an agent to get through more chats in a day because you're able to kind of mix in more conversations when the others are idle. So you get kind of like a better flow. From a, from a perspective, you get less of the kind of hills and valleys of, of uh, arrival patterns because it's a little bit more spread out. Um, and you also tend to see better first contact resolution, mostly because you are each, both from the consumer and the brand point of view, giving yourselves a little bit more grace with what first contact really means. So if, say, for example, a customer messages you about something that ends up needing a little bit of back office research, you can't answer them right away, you have to go look at something, or you need a different person in the organization to look at something, you can set the appropriate expectations with them, tell them, hey, I've got it, I'm going to go check with you know, whoever it is. And now you have the time to do that follow-up. You don't have to call the customer back. And to them, it's a, an extension of that same conversation. Because again, you know, if I message my sister right now, she might not get back to me for two hours. It's not a new conversation. So the it kind of mixes really well into our mental model of what a conversation feels like or a contact feels like in, um, in our day-to-day. So hearkening back to the comment you were talking about, you know, the client example you were you mm -hmm. were pointing to, right? Um, setting their agents up for success meant measuring them differently. Oh yeah. In this environment. So what are some of the things? I'm assuming measurement is one of those things, mm -hmm. metrics and things. What are some of the things that customer service leaders should be thinking about 
when they're setting asynchronous messaging up for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we'll start with metrics because that is a thing. Um, so the, the biggest issue that I see with asynchronous messaging is that brands try to run it like synchronous chat. Um, so average handle time looks different because it isn't really about the, the kind of length of that conversation. It might be two days long. Um, and that's not incorrect. Right. That's it's just um, that's just you can't measure it in the same way because your numbers will look ridiculous and you'll be like, everything is wrong. Everything is terrible, but it's not. Um, so what you end up trying to look at is more around um, conversations closed per login hour is usually it's like a really long. That's a bit of a mouthful, but it's the idea of um, can you kind of like close out a number of conversations. Maybe that conversation lasted two days, but the agent it, being able to get through those conversations is really what you're trying to look at because it, one of the interesting things about this channel or this modality, I guess, is that um, it is maybe, I, I believe, it is the first consumer or customer-led channel in the, in the contact center where the best practice is to follow the customer's lead. If they take 20 minutes to get back to you, let them take 20 minutes to get back to you. That's fine. If they take two, two hours to get back to you, that's fine also. But if they are responding to you pretty quickly, then you should be responding to them back. So you're trying to match the synchronousness, if you will, of them, of the consumer, which is a bit of a hard pill to swallow for someone at the contact center who has been operating it in an ops out kind of model where it's like, I need to model the entire thing after how quickly I can get through these conversations and how to manage my agents. Um, so when you think about like what good looks like, it does look really quite different from a metrics point of view. Um, and the biggest kind of advice that I would give um, brands when they, if they were to say, Hey, I'm thinking of, of switching over to asynchronous messaging is number one, reset the expectations of whoever is looking at these numbers uh, around what good looks like. Um, and then, rethink the way that you are measuring um, because even a lot of these platforms, they don't even have AHT as a number. So you just, you know, fit into what your, your platforms metrics, they're a little different now. And one of the, <laughs> one of the cautions I would say uh, pretty related is that um, the best practices are still being written a little bit. So when I was doing this research, I was speaking with uh, brands. I was speaking with uh, service providers, so contact center outsourcers who run a bunch of programs um, and vendors as well. And the thing that was becoming clear to me is that the best practice was different depending on which platform you used. And to me, that means that the best practices don't even exist, like they're nascent. So you're not really looking at like, this is how you do it. Whereas with live chat or synchronous chat, you do kind of, there is like a way, there is a way to be successful with that, but it, there isn't the same way to be successful with asynchronous messaging quite yet because the vendors haven't kind of like coalesced on, on, a, on a sameness of, of, of experience. So it, it makes it harder, right? It makes it a little trickier to to get it going, but there, it just means that you kind of need to trust your internal measures of what experiences should look like and not necessarily rely too much on the vendor's marketing to tell you, you know, what that, what that should be. Seems to me that, that an added complication here is that because we as people communicate this way all the time, mm -hmm. um, it's sort of inevitable that the people inside the brand would bring their preconceived notions to, oh, you just, well, yeah, this makes perfect sense to me. We just do it, right? We just launch it. We just do it. Um, yeah, that's that 
sounds like a disaster um, waiting to happen. So what 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 do you think uh, what do you think a brand should do to get started with asynchronous chat responsibly? Yeah. So the first thing, um, and I I, I I touched on this, but I'm going to say it again just because I feel like it's important. <laughs> uh, don't lean so far into the asynchronous mode where you think that you can be like it is there for you. The flexibility isn't there for you. It's there for the customer. Um, so it's the idea that, you know, if like follow them, um, do not think that there was a couple of uh, folks that that mentioned so a couple of vendors said like, oh, you know, you can just uh, you could take, you know, basically extend all of your SLAs and it take all this time to, to get back to the customer. They will go to another channel, I promise you, or another company but they will certainly go to another channel if they're your customer. Do not play. <laughs> People are not that patient. Um, so just be very mindful of the customer experience that you're trying to deliver. But when you're thinking about like getting started with, you know, like if you're going to be, if you're going to deploy, trying to think of number one, if you're going to deploy on third-party channels, use channels that your customers are already on, right? Uh, don't try to, you know, enter this new area where you've never even been before. You don't know what people are like over there. That's not being a market that you're familiar with or, or an audience that you're familiar with. So if you just do not have a presence on Instagram, eh, maybe don't deploy Instagram messaging as your first channel. Probably not the best idea um, as your first foray into that space. But then to kind of piggyback on that point, brands need to think really hard about their launch point. So where do you kind of like insert the experience? And what was really interesting uh, that I learned as part of this research was that, and, and it makes sense now that, you know, I know it, but I didn't know it at the, at the time, is that the um, where you deploy actually has a really big impact on the kind of engagement that you end up getting. So it's not as standard as basically like, okay, I deploy chat in my website. I'm going to get the same kind of things that I get maybe um, on the phone. It's actually really quite different. So for example, Delta Airlines has a bunch of big banners in their main airports promoting a QR code where a customer can move straight into an experience into Apple Business Chat. Um, and it makes a lot of sense from an experiential standpoint, since, you know, most of the time, if I have an issue with the airline, I am at the airport, I am there presently trying to do my traveling. Um, so being able to find and capture the customer as they are in the areas that they would normally be looking for help in a different kind of channel. So if I'm in the, you know, near the service desk, or if I'm near one of the gates to be able to, rather than have the folks that are supposed to be, you know, preparing for the next flight inundated with a bunch of service requests, get them into those, those messaging experiences that creates that level of consistency. But you have to know that the likelihood of someone chatting into you about their, about being at the airport and having a present flight, like they got past TSA, they have a flight. So, you know, be, you know, be a little smarter about how you engage with them. Um, not like, hey, how can I help you? Think about like, you probably know them. Uh, they might have authenticated. You can, you know, you can figure, hey, you are in Salt Lake City Airport. How can I help you about whatever you're doing there? Um, it just relies a little bit more on, on context clues, which, you know, uh, gratefully they give you because you were getting that from the channel that they have. Same idea with a number of hotels are uh, deploying messaging experience that kick off within Google Maps. Um, so instead of a phone number to the location, they have an opportunity to message through through Google Business Messaging. Um, but then one of the one of the uh, hotels that I that I was chatting with, they were saying that 
Of course, it makes sense now, but when they were originally deploying, they did not expect to get as many messages about the in-stay experience, about amenities at the hotel. Um, so, you know, they, these people think that they're speaking to the front desk, basically. Um, so there's a dual benefit to the brand where now they can manage all of the in-stay kind of um, on-site conversations in a way that they can measure them where they couldn't do that before. They can't do that at the front desk. So they're getting data that they didn't have before, but that means that they need to train their agents on things that they didn't know before. So it's a little bit of a, they are one of the companies that has taken the test and learn mindset where it's like, we're going to, we're going to mess it up a little bit, right? Like it's, it, we're not going to be perfect. It's fine, but we're learning as we go and we're taking the customer's lead around what they need from us. So there was a little bit more of a, you know, agent enablement protocol that needed to, to happen there. Um, and another example in, with, with retailing is um, I recently picked up a gift at Crate and Barrel. I did a pick, like buy online pickup in the store and they, within their um, kind of, I'm coming to the store immediately right now experience, they had uh, an area where I could just pop into messaging, which was great. If I needed to have that support right within that experience, I get from the email into the new kind of mobile experience. And then I can message someone from there rather than being like, oh, okay, I have to call the location and all these things. Everything is now contained. Again, keeping the context easy for the brand to consume. So if I, I have my my item and all of these things, my customer account, my, my order number, and if I did message somebody, I didn't need to, but if I did message somebody, they would have all of that to be able to serve me more effectively. So there's a lot of um, like, be mindful about where you're starting the conversation and then Take the take the benefits of that asynchronous messaging modality where you're going to get a bunch of customer information. Don't start the conversation with how can I help you, especially if the person this is one of those things where it's like you're going to maybe switch agents a bunch of times because I don't know if I'm going to get back to you in a day or however long. Um, read up, you know, try to find a way to to summarize it so that they're not starting over again, because that's the whole experience that you're trying to avoid. Do you have a call or magic ball that you're looking into in, in terms of like the maturity of this channel in a year, two years? Like, is this going to be a primary way that consumers conversate if we're going with the conversation um, with brands in the next two to five years? Or is this going to be a very specialized, like specific use cases only? Hmm. I think it's so for, for now, it feels to me like it's going to start as a specialized use case. And the but even still, there's there's a lot of companies that are starting in um, starting to push folks to the messaging app, whether it be SMS or wherever from the IVR. So from the, the phone, they, they call in. And the, the system can check, hey, is this person on a mobile device? That's something that gets passed over when you make a call. And then I can say, hey, um, the, the agents, there's a 10 minute wait to speak to an agent on the phone right now, but you can speak to someone on chat right away. Uh, and, and that's a way to get folks into those digital experiences. Um, and that's going to be more, I believe, a pathway to get folks in out of those kind of more specialized experiences where you're on site somewhere, it's like more obvious that you are engaging in that way. But this is more for basically anybody who wants to push folks to digital. Um, it's inevitable, though, I think, in the sense that there will soon be a time that companies just don't offer live chat, right? The, from a vendor perspective, they just don't offer it. Um, most of the main digital vendors in the space, the main digital contact center vendors in the space just don't 
offer live chat anymore. They if they're if they have a couple of lagging customers on their old live chat product, they are desperately trying to push them off of that because they don't want to support two cha- two platforms. Some of the vendors have a way to kind of like support both, but it's it's hard to do that because you're also because the best practices are so different from an agent perspective, you kind of just need to pick one. You need to to, to choose one way um, because alternatively, you're measuring two different ways. You are engaging two different ways. There's like best practices that do not match at all. And so it's, it is kind of inevitable. Um, one of the things that we found in, in our, our research is that um, when, a, when a consumer goes to engage with a brand via chat, they don't always do it, but when they do, um, when they need help, they will reach out and they, it's basically depends on the, the, the location or like the part of the world, but it's basically a 50, 50 split between whether they are happy to go to a third party channel or happy to go to a brand's own channel. Um, and I feel like that measurement is a little bit, uh, weird because in the sense that not a lot of companies have it have like these third party channels deployed in the first place if there was it's a bit of a chicken and egg i guess like if there was more adoption there's a likelihood that that number would be higher it's hard to say but i think it's not but it's not so much of a build it and they will come it's like build it and don't do a bad job and they will maybe stay there cool well thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me If you like what you heard today, please join us at CX North America, where you can dive even deeper into a variety of customer experience topics. At CX North America on June 13th through 15th, you'll get the latest research from dozens of Forrester analysts, network with your peers, and walk away with actionable insights and best practices. Learn more at forcom slash CX23. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash C-X-23. Thanks for listening.